As I approached my 15th birthday, I was filled with the spirit of anticipation and expectation. It might seem like a rather arbitrary age, but I knew very well that Missouri traffic laws were going to allow me to do something I had never done before, be able to drive on the roads with my parents' supervision. And so I was excited for this moment. I started to study all of the different books and the literature that they had given me. I was getting ready for that exam and I was ready to get that permit. And the day came. My birthday, my 15th birthday, I was finally old enough. I went, took the exam, passed it, and all of a sudden I had that shiny new card in my hand. And we started driving home. My mom was in the driver's seat and I thought nothing of it. But all of a sudden something changed. Mom pulled over to the side of the road, and she asked me to get out and switch sides with her. Instantly, I was terrified. I was filled with all sorts of anxiety because I had never thought about what this moment had meant before, but now I found myself at a crucial point, at that point of transition, and I was automatically filled with fear, and I was almost crippled by that. But really, if you think about it, fear is not uncommon. Fear is something that is all around us, and it's something that likely we experience, if not every day, quite often. That there can be one or two things on our minds, or perhaps an overabundance, that seem to oppress us all at once. And maybe we even find ourselves losing sleep at night. But in the midst of such fear, and such a human reaction, and such a normal one, are we supposed to be crippled by fear? Are we supposed to be so encapsulated and so taken by fear that we cannot move? I dare say, through the eyes of what we're given today in this Mass, we're given a different perspective and we're given a challenge. Not to live in fear, but to live in something else. We start off this morning with the first book of Kings, and we hear this account of Elijah. We know Elijah is one of the major prophets and one of the name-line ones, the mainstream ones, rather, that always comes to the forefront. That he's always speaking a word to the people and the words that the people need to hear. And it would seem that it would be natural that his relationship with God would be quite close. And indeed it was. But there's something at play here because the Lord doesn't want to just speak into his heart, but he wants to pass him by. And so he's giving him instruction. So he tells him that the cave that he's in to come up to the mouth and wait for the Lord is going to pass by. This is something unprecedented. This is something new. Because the Lord has always spoken to Elijah in very real ways, but now he wants to pass by in his midst. And so Elijah waits. There comes a strong driving wind, and not just any wind that we've ever seen before, but one that is crushing rocks on the mountainside. And Elisha, he sees this wind, and he knows it's not the Lord. So he waits. Then things change. There's an earthquake. The ground underneath him starts to quake, and he finds himself watching this happen. He knows it's not the Lord, so he waits some more. And then there comes this fire, and fire wouldn't have been all that under, un understandable or not understandable at all, because, in fact, the Israelites were always led by a column of fire. Maybe the Lord's in there. Elisha waits. The Lord's not in the fire either. So then there comes this small, soft, whispering voice. And it is only at that moment that Elisha veils his face with this cloak because he recognizes that at this very moment, even in the silence, even in that very small voice, the Lord is indeed passing by. And so we see this encounter, and it's a beautiful moment because Elisha's waiting. He's not deterred or not distracted, but he hears the Lord and he sees him come for him. 
We go to the second reading we hear from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. We've been following this for some time now, and yet today the tenor changes very much because we hear about the sorrow and the anguish that's on St. Paul's heart. And the Spirit gives him this. But notice what he's saying. He's not saying this is just some indiscriminate sorrow or depression or anguish, but instead he's saying there's a very specific reason for this, that the Israelites, the Jewish community, his very own people, they have not grasped onto the gospel. And he limits this because he knows they've had every chance, every opportunity, that he's given them lots of faith. They've seen all of the works and all of the wonders that the Lord has done for generation after generation, and it's not enough. That they've saw that and they've walked away cold-hearted. And they've really missed the point. And we see St. Paul's anguish, that in the middle of his ministry, that he's filled with sorrow because he knows that they're walking away from the very Lord who loves them. And it's amazing. Look at the dramatic response that St. Paul has. He's not angry, he's not bitter, he's not pointing his finger and saying, how dare you people? He's rather saying, would that I was the one that was separated from the Lord. Would that I was the one that had never come to see him. Because he loves the people so much that he doesn't want them to live in this faithlessness. But he rather wants them to live in the sight of the Lord. And so we see that love and that tender care that he has, and he still has faith that the Israelite community, the entire Jewish nation, that they could come into relationship with their Lord and their, their God, especially in Jesus Christ. But he's waiting. He's having faith. And then we finally move to the gospel, and this gospel according to Matthew. So Jesus is not really speaking so much in this as much he is doing, because he's dismissing the crowds. So we know that he's taught for quite some time, and he's sending the crowds away. So he's giving them a few last words of exhortation and saying goodbye to them, for at least for a little while. And so he sends the disciples ahead of him as he's doing this, and then he simply goes off by himself to pray, as he often does. And as the disciples are going across in the boat, they start to encounter some trouble. They start to encounter these winds that are buffeting them from every side, that it is against them, and all of a sudden they start to be filled with fear. How much fear? It was enough fear that they could not recognize Jesus. Notice, whenever Jesus comes to them walking on the water, and this is the very same Jesus that has been working miracles, that just fed thousands, that has done all of these wonderful things, that this same Jesus comes walking to them on the water, they can't recognize him. They're so filled with fear, and they're so encumbered and encapsulated in that anxiety that they see him, and instantly they're terrified. It's a ghost. They don't know who this is. And so they cry out in fear. Jesus' response, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And as he calls out, Peter sort of challenges this, and he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. Jesus answers, Come. And so Peter gets out, and he begins to walk on water. And at this point, we might think that, G that Peter's got it figured out. He's got it made. He succeeded. But what happens? He looks around at the wind. He looks at the waves. All of a sudden, his heart is overcome, and he finds himself sinking because he's lost sight of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Jesus is standing right in front of him on top of the water. He hasn't moved, and Peter has the audacity to lose faith. He's overcome with fear. And so he starts to sink. Lord, save me. And he reaches out. He grabs him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It is incredible. The Lord's right there. And yet he has that ability to still look around and be fearful of everything. The Lord of heaven and earth is right there standing in his presence. And he still has the ability to doubt him. 
He gets into the boat with Peter, and all of a sudden the winds die down, and tr they say, truly this is the Son of God. All of a sudden their faith comes back because all of their fears have been taken away and relieved. They've given them over to the Lord, and because of that, they're able to have faith. But my brothers and sisters, how often are we the ones that are fearful? How often are we the ones that are afraid? How often are we the ones that are worried, that are awake at night, staring and wondering what in the world it's going to come to and how we're going to fix the problem that's before our eyes? There are many responses we can have. Many times we can do some rash things. We can do some harsh and terrible and foolish things because we're so filled with fear, because we're so filled with anxiety, we can't see how the Lord's going to come through, and so we simply forsake Him and walk away. That can be our response. Sometimes we challenge the Lord. Sometimes we don't believe that He's there, that He's strong enough to endure and to do whatever needs to be done in the midst of things. And so we are filled with fear and anxiety and worry, and we really don't let Him have dominion over it. That we can truly be encapsulated by this. But notice, fear is a very human reaction, but it's a reaction where we seek control where we seek to take things on ourselves, even if they be far be it from us to be able to be controlled by us, that we can't bring about peace and security any more than anyone else can. But we know the one who does. But oftentimes we seek after this vain control, that we fear, we have this anxiety, we feel that we need to do something, and all of a sudden we find ourselves either shutting down, freezing in fear, turning away, doing things that we should not have done, being harsh, being mean, being slanderous, doing all of these different things because we're afraid. But what if we weren't afraid? What if we truly lived in faith? What if we saw that the Lord is standing right before us and right in front of us, right here and right now? No matter how bad the situation, no matter how bleak things look, what if the Lord's right here? Because notice, Peter failed. He didn't get it right that day. He didn't want to walk on the water, at least for a while, and he had that split moment and that shining moment, the split second, where he was succeeding. But then he was overcome with fear. But notice who wasn't overcome with fear. Elisha wasn't overcome with fear. He saw the wind. He saw the earthquake. He saw the fire. He saw all of these things that could have filled his heart with this trembling, with this anxiousness, with all of these different things that would have led him away from pursuing the Lord. But he was not deterred. He knew the Lord was still coming. And so he listened for that whispering voice, and eventually he heard it. He didn't lash out. He didn't find himself turning away. Instead, he paid attention. He had his ears open. And Elisha heard it. He was rewarded for faith. He didn't live in fear. St. Paul could have done the same thing. He could have seen those people walking away, those people that were filled with this sort of desire to go just do whatever the heck they wanted, that he saw that they were filled with that, and he could have thought, my ministry's a failure. And he could have been filled with that same anxiety. He could have simply walked away and given up, but he didn't. He saw that fear that was on his heart. He surrendered it over to the Lord, and he still had faith in the midst of that. Are we, my brothers and sisters, able to have that same faith? Because oftentimes we find ourselves in the midst of the storms of life. And it's no mistake, it's no mystery that oftentimes there are storms that come. They come in our places of work. They come in our homes. They come in relationships. They come within our schools. They come in whatever variety of different ways that we can see them but they're not supposed to captivate us by fear. 
They're not supposed to surround us, make us so emboldened or so encumbered that we're not able to turn and we're not able to see. We start to lash out at other people. It's not supposed to be that way. Rather, in the midst of the storms that happen, and they will happen, our faith tells us that. In the midst of those things, Jesus is not abandoning the ship. He's not walking away. Instead, he's right there in front of us. He's calling out to us, and he says, Come to me. Have faith. Be emboldened. Have courage for just a moment. See what I'm going to do. And indeed, that's what our Lord does. Because he's often there, and he sees our plight. My brothers and sisters, he's no stranger to what's going on. He's not just simply light years away in some far heaven, unaware of what's going on, what's causing our hearts to struggle, what's on our minds, what's causing us to lose sleep at night. Our Lord is very aware of these things. He sees them. He's right there. He's walking right alongside our ship, and he sees the storm that's around us. But are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to see the Lord in the ways that he wants to give us the ability to have peace, to have security, to have courage, to weather the storm? Because oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, we see the storm, we become afraid, and we just shut down. We just walk away, or we start to become so blind to the fact that the Lord is in the midst of our deepest struggle and our deepest fears that he's there, that he's so personable to us, and he's so aware of us individually that he wants to be in the midst of our strife, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of whatever faces us and comes our way. He's there, but oftentimes we lose sight of that, and that really is the challenge. And I dare say these words in the gospel that were spoken, take courage, have faith, it is I, do not be afraid. Those words aren't just for the disciples so long ago. They're for us today. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. The Lord's not going to yell these words at us. He's not going to bring them forward as a strong driving wind. At times he might do that because we need to be shaken out of our own selfishness and out of our own worldview. Sometimes he will shake us out of that. But the thing is that he's not going to often do that. Rather, he's going to come to us in that small, persisting voice. Sometimes it's so easy to ignore, but we need to open our ears and open our hearts and our souls to hear that voice and listen very closely, because the Lord is speaking in that soft voice. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. He says that in the midst of our worst struggles. He says that in the midst of our worst trials. He says that in the very things that steal away our sleep or steal away our peace and our security that often consume our consciousness. He's still there. He's still speaking to us now, every day, and until the end of time. It's not just something he's saying to the disciples so long ago, but he says that to us even this day. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. My brothers and sisters, in whatever ways our hearts are filled with fear, whatever causes us anxiety, whatever we're struggling with right now, Let's not be unaware of the Lord's voice, and let's not be so blinded by the storm that's around us that we cannot see the Lord walking to us on the waters. Let's instead hear that small whisper of a voice. The Lord is truly present in the midst of everything. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid.